Welcome to the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, John, and here with me today are Brian. Hey, and Alex. We're just gonna we're just gonna go. Hello. Uh, this week we're gonna talk about Loop Hero and Immortals: Phoenix Rising and some game news. But before we get to all of that. If you want to follow us on social media or see all the places you can listen to or watch the show, check out MidwestGameNerds.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network now has a Patreon. The Patreon is meant to benefit all the shows on the network. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month and help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks again to Jason K, Tom Z, Chris K, and Alan K for the contributions. One of the perks to joining the Patreon is you get early access to our bonus episodes that we call Side Quests and the Tiny Terrors from the Horror Movie Yearbook Guys. These are little bonus episodes of things that we just talk about random stuff and have some games maybe sometimes or whatever. Uh, they're super fun. So be sure to check that out. Again, as little as $1 a month gets you access to those. And as always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to MidwestGameNerds.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitch as well as rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. We are Twitch affiliates. You can subscribe to our Twitch as well. If you don't want to do Patreon and you spend more time on Twitch, maybe that's a better thing for you. Uh, feel free. You get some cool emotes uh, of my face and Alex's face and Brian's face. Uh, Zach's asking about the OnlyFans. I'm working on it. I'm going to start taking feet pics this week. <laughs> I'm gonna post some feet pics. I'm gonna start selling some dirty underwear. The whole bit. We're going all in. Only fans. Um, Is there a small mouth fetish that we can cap? There has on? to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Microstomiaphilia or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anyways, Alex, do you have any bumpers for the network? I'm sorry if my high school math teacher's son still listens to this program. <laughs> He's old I'm enough; really he can sorry. handle it. Uh, horror movie yearbook—they talked about the Gate from 1987. That was a listener request from uh, Dave Steele, uh, the Pizza Man, as we know him in our Discord. Uh, they also did a Tiny Tears about comic horror comic books that is available on the Patreon as we speak and will be available later this week to non-Patreon subscribers. So please check that out. The Midwest Film Nerds talked about WandaVision uh, two weeks ago, and then we'll be back this week to discuss the Snyder Cut of Justice League, which we're all greatly anticipating. Um, so, yeah, that's what's coming down the pipeline for the rest of the network. Sweet. All right. Cool. I've been playing a game called Dex on Switch. It costs $3 and it's not worth your money. <laughs> um, I played Is it, it for, one of those games where they like massively discount it so that it shows up? No, I think it was just super cheap to begin with, but um it yeah, I, just, I mean, I, okay, I'm being I'm being I'm being super unfair. I haven't given it enough of a chance to like really rate it. Um just because I I got frustrated with part of it and just gave up. Because that's typically how I roll. But the game is a side-scrolling cyberpunk RPG. Like It seems kind of like Metroidvania, but not Metroidvania. Because I think it's more of an open world than that is necessarily. I don't really know. Again, I haven't played a ton of it. But you do level up and apply stats and things. Like uh, points to your stats and, and whatnot. So it seems like it could be cool. It seems like it could be pretty in-depth. Uh, I'll have to give it a little more of a go. Uh, and I played some Rainbow Six last week, and that was a lot of fun. Um, we had a pretty good crew going, and we did okay, and I had fun. I like, I still like Rainbow. Rainbow's still good. That game is perfect. There's nothing wrong with that game, other than, like, I wish more of our friends played it on a regular basis. Yeah, it'd be nice if we could all, you know, still do, like, a Wednesday night kind of thing which you know i mean i was impressed we you guys had 10 people playing this past wednesday was yeah pretty- it's only because it was my birthday and i guilted everybody into playing it because uh but still but it was good <laughs> it was good we didn't get to the final round where i was going to uh in the last round if it was 2-2 i made it so that i told everybody that i was gonna play sw- sledge and i was gonna hit everybody with the hammer including my own team but um <laughs> yeah that didn't happen so uh because we lost. <laughs> but no, yeah. it was fun. And that's weird. It's like the first time that I ever played like complete 5v5 with no strangers. Uh, but it was fun. It was good. We had a good time. Yeah, we switched the teams up a lot. Mm-hmm. Didn't seem to matter for me personally. I was always on the losing team. 
it's a we got a weird mix of like skill levels basically i think we have enough people between like zach and fuzzy and like i mean cory cory can be good cory's very spotty it depends on how much reddit he's watching and doing in between the rounds <laughs> but um you know we just have a lot of people that are like high level and we got some people that are lower level and some people that are kind of in the middle and uh but it was still fun i think it was still good to kind of mix it up and um it's interesting when you know the people you're playing against because I feel like you're kind of able to counter program what they know you would be doing, you know? Like mm-hmm. I it was more effective if I was lurking because everybody would expect me to be in the in the objective cuz I usually just hunker down, but um, you know, it wasn't that effective cuz I'm kind of bad at the game. So, uh, but no, it was fun. I like you're you're not bad at the people. game. <laughs> like sometimes, no. sometimes I'm really bad at the game. Other times I'm not that bad at the game. But that's mostly because I get lucky. <laughs> if but, you say uh, so. No, I I promise you. There's no actual skill behind any of what I do. It just happens that I, you know, you've seen how potato my shots can be. But right. Um. <laughs> yeah. Zach was the least predictable because he kept playing strat roulette. <laughs> so he had no idea what to expect. Yeah. There was one round where he was like, uh, he was doing it mo- mostly by himself, but there was one round where he was on our team and I was defending, we were defending and he was like, all right, everybody use trap operatives only. So we had like frost and, uh, Amaru and, Capkin, like it must, it would have been the most, and Legion, it was probably the most annoying round to play against us because it was literally <laughs> just traps everywhere and it was very good. But, but it, did it work? <laughs> I think we did win that round. Yeah. It did. The Strat Roulette did come through that time, but I think there were several other times where it did not work out. <laughs> awesome. No. <laughs> I, mean, I think there was one, one time where he had to play Sledge and he could only kill people with the hammer and, uh, <laughs> and it didn't work out for him. But, I got um, one hammer kill. That was pretty gratifying. That's good. Yeah, that was good. No, that's good. Rainbow's good. Um, Indeed. I don't know. I don't necessarily think we have to save the loop hero and the uh, and the immortals discussion for the end. So I'm going to start with immortals and then we'll go into loop hero, which Brian and I can talk about a little bit. Um, Very little. Okay. Unfortunately. Um, I've played about two hours of Immortals Phoenix Rising, which is a Ubisoft game that came out um, this past fall, Uh, and it's very much a Breath of the Wild-inspired open-world game, Um, in the sense of, like, you can climb everything, and you have a stamina bar, you've got health, Uh, the good news is the weapons do not have durability, they are just weapons that you use, you can find other weapons to equip that kind of, um, modify, they have different, like, modifier, like, all the gear, including, like, helmets and, uh, and, you know, um, armor and things like that, all have modifiers on, like, this will do 150% damage against, um, against enemies that haven't been damaged yet, and things like that. Um, which is kind of cool, uh, and a little bit from Breath of the Wild, if you had, like, sets of armor that would do things and modify things in different ways, but, um, no, I think it's really, it's been pretty good so far, and I really like how the game, uh, is structured very much like Breath of the Wild, and Breath of the Wild, you started on a plateau, and then eventually you get the glider where you can jump off of the plateau and get to kind of the main landmass and start running around and doing whatever you're gonna do. Um, this game operates very similarly where you're on an island and then you get the wings and you can kind of glide off of the island onto the bigger landmass and things like that. So it's, if you didn't get to play Breath of the Wild and you wanted to play Breath of the Wild, but you don't have a Switch or a Wii U to do it with, check out Immortals Phoenix Rising. Um, I, this game has more of a story to it. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit grating in my opinion because it's kind of a very irreverent like, oh, we're we're the Greek gods and we're going to make jokes about the Greek gods and stuff like that. And Zeus is really arrogant. And you know, like the, the, the story's narrated by Zeus and Prometheus. Um, and basically like the character you're playing is the last hope of against them defeating, I think one of the Titans or something of that nature. That's kind of like trying to destroy the gods. Um, and it all seems okay and it's fine. It's just, it's very, it's kind of like it's borderlands humor, but kind of more geared for kids is basically the way that I would put it. 
Um, but that's not to say, like, I think the rest of the game is fun. There's parrying that you can do in the combat. You can dodge to get, like, a time slowdown, which is nice. Um, there are trials that are around that are much like the trials that were in Breath of the Wild, where you'd step into, like, a cave and it would take you down to, like, a puzzle or something like that that you'd have to figure out how to solve with your abilities that you have. Um, but it's cool so far. I'm liking it. It's kind of a nice game to, to play when, uh, you don't necessarily want to pay, like, you want to have something that you're listening to in the background or whatever. I think it's going to be nice for that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that is Immortals Phoenix Rising out on pretty much everything. It does support the Ubisoft cross save stuff, uh, which is cool. I don't have, um, Uplay Plus or anything like that, but I think it would be interesting if at some point I do sign up for it to... See how the game runs on PC as opposed to... I'm playing on PS5, which does a very good job with it. It's very pretty, very colorful, uses HDR very well. Um, so, no, it's been it's been good. Sweet. But, um... Cool. Glad Luke that Hero. birthday present worked out for you. Yeah, it did. Thank you very much, John. <laughs> um, Loop Hero is a an interesting game to try and quantify. Uh, some people have called it a deck building game. I would not call it a deck building game because I think that comes with certain connotations that people don't enjoy. Um, but it is a pixel art game that um, involves kind of an automated route or a loop that your character is on where your character proceeds through the loop and you can pause time at certain points. Um, but they'll run into enemies that are on the loop. They will fight those battles automatically and then they usually get rewards from that battle that you get to kind of decide how to disperse and use at different points in time. Those rewards include um, armor and weapons and rings and things like that that will, uh, yeah, Zach says I wouldn't say it's a deck builder at all. I completely agree. Um, but you have armor and rings and things like that that modify your attack and like your counter percent, how often you'll counter or how often you'll evade or how much life you'll regen every second, things like that. And then you'll also get these cards that are from a deck that you do preset every time you do a run, because it is a run-based game, um, kind of roguelike-ish. Um, but the deck is basically land features that you can either place on the loop or next to the loop or elsewhere around the loop, depending on what type of features they are. And it includes things like cemeteries that will... Um, summon a skeleton for you to fight every couple of loops or days. Um, there's other features like mountains that you can place anywhere, like outside of the loop to kind of like those add on a certain amount of health that you get, or there's meadows that can be modified by things that they're placed next to. Like there's all kinds of weird combinations of these land masses that you can put together that do different types of things. And um, so the main function is this whole loop thing, but every every loop you start back at your campfire, and you can choose to either keep going, where the loop level goes up, the enemies get harder, the loot gets better, that type of thing, or you can go back to your camp where you take the resources that are also something you get from these battles, and you can use that to build up your camp. So you get different tiles that will unlock other cards, or give you different... Um, classes that you can play as like there's a rogue class and a necromancer class and things like that um but anyway i don't know i don't know if i did a good job of describing that brian do you think there's anything else to add from there i'd say that sums it up pretty well based on the uh you know 30 to 45 minutes i've played so far so you've played about 30 to 45 minutes i think i've at this point put something like 10 ish hours into it yeah or that's so. what steam says okay that's what i thought um and as far as I can tell, there's the game has several acts to it, and as you beat a boss on the loop, which arrives after you've placed a certain amount of tiles on the screen, basically, um, then you can proceed to the next act, um, and things get harder, I imagine. But I have not, uh, I have not played much of Act Two yet, although I have beaten the Act One boss. Um, but Brian, nice. what have what have you thought of your time with it so far? Um, it is like. The mechanics of it are very unique, I feel like. it's. Mm -hmm. I've never played a game like it. But that being said, I almost feel like the game... Because everything just kind of happens, unless you, like, 
you know, pause things and, you know, place tiles or whatever. It just keeps going. And that's it, kind of weird to me. Like, I don't know. I can't tell yet whether I'm really going to have fun with this or not. <laughs> but uh, I definitely respect, like, the unique um, gameplay of it. The gameplay loop, you could say. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> like, well, I'm actually like- interested in the, the world and the story. Yeah, it's got a surprisingly um, engaging story for the type of game that it is, I think. Yeah, it's, it's I think the music's super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have too much of an opinion yet, other than I want to play it some more and see how I feel about it. But uh, it was, it looks like it's worth the money, though. I mean, it's yeah. pretty inexpensive, so... Because I think I think it was on sale for 15 or 16 it's, I think like the regular price right is 15 on Humble. Okay. Okay. Uh, John, did you have a question? Well, I was, I was just going to say, it's, it sounds like it's more of like a resource management game in a way, right? And then you just kind of like, as you're managing your resources, you hit the play button and then it does its thing based off of yeah. what you've done with the resources. And then so, you can pause and like place more cards or whatever, right? So like you're just managing all of those things. And you're placing more monster cards in order to like get your guy to like level up and everything, right? Like, yeah, so they have like um, they have different uh, settings you can set for when the game will pause. And okay. mine, I have set to pause whenever I finish a battle because usually you have loot that you can dispense. Uh, you can change equipment as much as you want during a battle as you receive it, but I think you can't place land tiles until you're out of an encounter. Um, and when you hover over your equipment or your loot that you got, it does pause the battle as well, which is interesting. Um, but no, you're right, Brian. Like the thing that I've been doing as I've been playing this has been nice is like I can throw something on my second screen, like watch a video or listen to a podcast or whatever I'm doing. It's a nice game to be able, once again, you know, even more so than Immortals, I would say. This is a nice game where it's like all the story is just in text and you can read through it and. Uh, but you can be listening or watching something else as you're waiting for things to happen, kind of. Um, or uh, one-handed typing up a paper or something, because you can literally play this whole game with just the mouse. <laughs> I haven't tried typing. It gives papers. you a whole free hand to do whatever. Nice. That's good. This is a PG-13 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so you can log into the Game Nerds only I mean, fans and uh, No. Um, see, see Brian teaching his one-handed typing techniques. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my keyboard but, splits in two, so it's very convenient. <laughs> you can actually, you can actually reprogram it to where you could type everything on one side. That's crazy. So, um, but you might have to do that for Loop Hero. Loop Hero is a very cool game. Like like Brian said, it's very unique. It's not really like a whole lot else that I've seen before. I'm interested to keep playing it and kind of see how it keeps evolving. Like the the main way that you um kind of enhance your playthrough is by taking the resources that you get to, you know, build out your town. And mm-hmm. like I said, the town kind of gives it has different features and things that unlock different cards that you can utilize. And I think it's really interesting because eventually like the loop that you're on, you, the whole function of the game is like you are kind of making your loop harder for the character that you're playing to get more loot out of it mm-hmm. and uh, and get more resources out of it and things like that. But um, what I really enjoy is like <clears throat> the little things that you learn about how you place stuff. Like Brian, I didn't know if you if you've realized as of yet or what the game actually tells you in the beginning with like the meadow card that you get. But if you place a meadow card next to another feature that you've placed, it turns it into like a blessed meadow or something like that, which uh. gives you more health each turn instead of just the two health or whatever. Um, if you place more mountains next to each other, they give more health to you, more max yeah, health okay. to you, and things I, I like that. I thought so. It's, um, it's taking me a little while to grasp all of that. Well, yeah, like, and what you'll the learn, strategy is for the placement and whatnot. Yes, and you'll learn more of it as you go. But then there's also other things that it like doesn't really explicitly tell you. Where it's like if you put nine tiles of rocks and mountains next to each other, it forms a huge peak that does give you a big bonus to your health but it also spawns harpies every couple of days. So it starts adding more monsters to your loop and things like that. 
So there's all kinds of like little interactions between the thing between the things that you're placing, where it gives you a lot of control over like how you want to build your optimal loop and like where you want to place things. There's other cards that you get that are like villages that'll restore health as you walk through them or give you a quest that lets you get experience and that experience resets every, every time you start a new loop or not start a new loop, but resets every time you like go into your campfire and come back out. But they give you interesting abilities that do different things. So I don't know. There's, there's so much depth to it. Um, and so I'm just really interested to see how far that depth continues to go and Mm -hmm. what kind of craziness happens as you get later into the game. Um, but you know, it's interesting because I told one of the dudes at work about it and, um, he, I think he bought it and I had already had it. I'd already played 10 hours or whatever. He's like, yeah, you know, I just got it. And, uh, I, you know, I'm already into act two. And I was like, whoa. Cause I just basically sat there like building up resources for 10 hours before I even tried to fight the boss. <laughs> that sounds um, about right for your, yeah. your gameplay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, bu- I built up my town more before like kind of, and plus like I tried to fight the boss one time and he just destroyed me. But then I learned more about how to like, there's things you can do to make them weaker before you fight them and stuff like that. So it's, it's, uh, it's cool. It's very cool. And I'm, I'm looking forward to playing more. I ran into like a vampire posse. That's like the hardest encounter I've had. Yeah. The vampires are interesting. Cause you get like a vampire, uh, what do they call it? Fortress or something like that. I can't remember. Mansion vampire mansion that you can place next to the loop. Um, and but the other interesting thing, and this, I don't know if Zach, Zach probably knows this already, but if you have a village, it's really interesting. The village, like I talked about, restores health and gives you a quest so you can accumulate experience. If you put a vampire mansion next to a village, then it turns it into a ransacked village. But after three loops, the ransacked village turns into like this like village that is managed by the vampire, and it becomes more helpful to you than the original village did. It restores more health and gives you better quests and things like that. It's interesting. It's really cool. It's just, there's so much to it, and uh, I'd be curious. I don't know if the developer has talked too much about like the game design or if this has been a thing that people have been anticipating and they've been really open about stuff. I'm curious to see what's out there, but I kind of want to play more of the game before I start like, you know, spoiling any of the mechanics and things for myself as I discover them more naturally. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's cool. More loop here would be, uh, it's good. I'm excited for it. Sweet. Sounds like a good time. Yes. And it's cheap. Yeah. 15 bucks on PC. Uh, it, it would be great on an iPad or a Switch or anything like that. I wish it was on an iPad, even though I don't have an iPad right now. That's yeah, what, that's what I was nice. thinking. Like looking at the screenshots of it on on Humble here, like it looks like something that would play well on some form of tablet. I've heard that it plays reasonably okay over GeForce now. Um, so I don't know. It's uh, I think it would be. If they could optimize the controls a little bit better or whatever, I don't know. I don't know how that would work, but I don't know how it even, if it even works with a controller very well or how that would work, but I think doing it on a tablet would be just fine. It reminds me of something like an FTL or an Into the Breach where I think that would be great. Um, so Zach is saying he couldn't remember if any of us have played Monster Train, but we should play that as well. I have not played Monster Train, but that sounds great. I've also never played Slay of the Spire, but I know a lot of people like that too, which he mentioned earlier as an actual deck deck builder. So lots of good good games to play. Monster Train looking twenty four ninety nine. Okay. Oh, that's that's too much. That's a bit steep. It's <laughs> um, more than fifteen dollars, unfortunately, but I'm sure it goes on sale. Um, looks interesting though. No, that sounds good. Brian, have you played anything else? Um nope. I did play a lot more Apex Legends. That's just my go-to lately. I think I played Valheim like once. Nice. That was different because it was on a dedicated server. Yeah, that's the thing. You can buy servers for Valheim now, right? I yeah. Believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember if I did that after we recorded the last time or before, to be honest. I think it was, like, I think it was at, well, you didn't talk about it. If that's what you're wondering as mine. Yeah. That was like cool. I mean, man, like the people I was playing with, they had already set up some really elaborate stuff. 
<laughs> and uh, I went to build a temporary house, and it just got leveled by trolls <laughs> as soon as I was done making it. I was like, well, yeah, think I've had enough of this for the evening. Like, <laughs> I put the house back together, and then I, I haven't logged in since, so who knows what's <laughs> become of it. Uh, but uh, besides that, I saw on one of the gaming websites that the System Shock demo was updated recently. Like, there used there, I think there already was a like an alpha demo, whatever, for the the remake of the original System Shock that Night Dive is doing. This is not to be confused with the full-on sequel that they're supposedly working on. Mm-hmm. Um, this it, it it's pretty much like. I say remake because, I mean, obviously they've put a lot of effort into, like, making it look better and, like, it plays way better, I'm sure. Um, But ultimately it is, like, the same. Like, the level design is the same. So it's kind of got that old school... uh, It's a little more elaborate than Doom, I would say, like, in some ways, as far as, like, having objects above other objects like floors above floors and stuff but uh and uh that originally in system track you could actually look up and down and stuff which you could not do in other shooters at the time um but yeah it's like pretty cool i didn't play it very long but i definitely want to go check it out again i'm excited that i think that's finally coming out this summer and if you've never actually played the original System Shock, I would say definitely check it out. Yeah, I've only played a bit of System Shock 2, um, and that game is very cool. I always meant to play more of it, um, but I don't think I've ever touched the original one at all. Um, the second one, they're also working on a uh, like remaster okay. Okay. or something, because uh, you get that for free if you pre-order... Uh, system shock actually did but one i don't you, know when that comes out so did one of you post a thing about one of those two being vr was that you mm-hmm. john do you remember i feel like somebody was working on like a vr mod for system shock 2 if i recall correctly but yeah i'm, I'm not 100 percent sure i feel like system shock 2 and vr would be horrifying in a lot of ways uh system shock 2 vr support revealed for enhanced edition so, yes, the, the System Shock 2 remaster is going to have VR support built into it, which is nice. Awesome. That's nuts. Uh, yeah, that would be very scary. Um, Brian, did you have anything else? Um, not really. I've just, yeah, I was really impressed with it because they just like, like they purposely have some lo-fi textures mixed in, you know, hmm. to have that throwback feel, but it's like done so well. They have all this like crazy like new lighting and cool shiny textures and stuff mixed in with that. It somehow just works. Plus the sound design's really good. And it still scared the shit out of me, which I was shocked could happen, but uh because just the way I mean it looks so simple, like the the way the floors are laid out and stuff, and then like I opened a door and it made me jump because there was some <laughs> stupid creature behind it. <laughs> nice. So yeah, it should be fun. Um, Zach is asking if any of us were going to try out Magic Legends on Tuesday, which I think is a free to play Magic game that is kind of Diablo ish. Have you guys heard anything about this one? I just signed up to play the beta. <laughs> so John's going to be playing it. I'm going to try it if I actually get in the beta key. Um, uh, I think key, it's but... an open beta starting on the 23rd is the thing or something like that. Yeah. Um, I definitely plan on trying it. I've had like a, a little bit of more of an interest in the magic world and lore lately because I've been looking through a bunch of my old cards and selling them off because I don't <laughs> ever plan on playing the the uh, actual physical version of it ever again. But uh, I am still interested in it. Like, I play Magic Arena every They've got now a, a new again. line coming out called COVID The Gathering. It's going to be sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's another reason why I haven't played and don't plan on playing, so... 
Yeah, so the Magic Legends is free to play. I did hear that there's um I did hear that there's uh you know, they are there are there's like a booster pack kind of function in it where you can pay money, but there's also like ways to earn the cards in game, uh probably at a much slower rate, of course. Um but yeah, as Zach is saying, the open beta starts Tuesday, it runs until the final release, the one or whatever, and the progress is gonna carry over. So maybe we should check that out for the next uh episode if we don't have anything else to to talk about that would be fun yeah i'm just like kind of curious like how it works like i mean it looks very much like a diablo like mmo type of some sort but um i want to i want to know how the cards factor into it yeah yeah i don't know zach says the monetization will determine its fate mostly yeah i would imagine so would it though because like magic fans are like kind of don't care about monetization well i mean that's the thing is like if it's not like a really unfair monetization or like maybe if the uh if it's tuned in a way where it feels like you can get enough without having to spend money maybe that will be okay but i feel like um i feel like i feel like it could go either way with magic fans so i guess we'll yeah. see all right cool I think that's all for what we've been playing right yeah mm-hmm. i got i don't have anything else welcome to the ad spot for role playing and role playing natural play Dungeons and Dragons podcast based in the Midwest. We like to have a lot of fun, some laughs, and definitely a lot of character development too. So feel free to check us out on Spotify and anywhere podcasts are really available. Also, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at rroleplaying, which is spelled R-O-L-L. It's like a play on words. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy the rest of the show. Hey Kevin, I heard you're looking for a new video game podcast. I am looking for a new video game podcast. I'm looking for one with these specific parameters. Frequent Dark Souls comparisons, whining about frame rate, and detailed analysis of how fast or slow your character is in the game. Do you have that for me? Oh boy, I have just the podcast for you. It's called Jump Crouch, and you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or any podcaster. You can also go to jumpcrouch.com to see more. That sounds like the plan for me. All right, let's talk about some news um we're gonna go in reverse order of importance i would say uh the disintegration developer v1 interactive shuts down brian you posted this and was like so that game actually came out huh <laughs> yeah That's i don't even remember what, why what this game was most interesting to me because i remember them putting is. out like a demo and then i don't remember even hearing about the game come out i remember them having a massive booth at pax the first time we went yes uh, Okay. Yeah, so this was a new shooter from the co-creator of Halo that got revealed back in 2019. Uh so no, that would have been that would have been last year's PAX, I think. Unless Yeah, cuz if it got revealed in 2019, we went in 2018 and 2020, I think. So I wonder if you you might be thinking of something else, John. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't Well, remember. either way. Either way, we um, tried the demo and it was like not a very good game cuz it just felt <laughs> Yeah, it felt I tried the sloppy. Demo. It didn't feel refined enough. I don't know if they had figured out exactly what they were trying to do with it. Because you're essentially playing a character who's also assigning, like, real-time strategy tasks to other, like, mobs on the screen. And it was just, it was like a shooter mixed with strategy that just didn't quite gel the way I think they were trying, what they were trying to do with it. But I don't know. Anyways, Yeah, so it looks, studio it looks like... The game came out at some point in 2020, uh, it looks like, uh, came out, um, probably May of 2020. And then this article here on Polygon says the multiplayer shut down six months, less than six months after launch, um, which is rough. There was a single player campaign, but, uh, now it sounds like, uh, you know, the developer is getting shut down, which is a bummer. Bummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is less than nine months after they launched their debut video game. Um, but yeah, it was a small group of people, 27 members. Um, and they were, they had a deal with, uh, with take two's indie focus label called private division, which is kind of where they, where they came from. But, uh, yeah, on Twitter, they said, we are sad to inform you that V1 interactive is officially closing. We want to thank all the talented people at V1, both past and present who helped make the last five years wonderful and a heartfelt thanks to the amazing community that supported us. So that's always sad. Um, but yeah, hopefully yeah, they find work elsewhere. But again, like it just didn't. I don't know. Like I feel like they they were what ex Bungie like people mostly or something like that. Like they one of the, or some of the people worked on Halo and Destiny. 
uh, original Destiny, and like it had a really cool aesthetic. Like the game looked cool, like all the concept art and everything, the characters like all looked sweet. But like again, it just didn't feel like they were they figured out what the game was supposed to be, and that that's like that's super detrimental. Yeah. No, but I mean that seems like such a small small group of people for like what seems like a somewhat triple A at least yeah like a tri- what's kind of looks more like a triple A kind of release so I don't know like I think it you I know. mean you could attribute that to their pedigree I mean if they're they're coming from like yeah. really big studios and like you know I just I feel like maybe their idea wasn't quite fleshed out the way it needed to be yeah and maybe they just the didn't do too. a big enough marketing push which I mean, I don't know the rule, but, like, I I know there's some, like, you spend, however much you spend on development, you spend X amount on marketing or whatever, blah, 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 like, I don't know. Yeah, I, and cle- clearly they didn't do enough if Brian's, like, I didn't even realize the game came out. Right, that, that's my whole right. point, is, like, I just, like, they didn't market enough when they should have marketed stronger to get the mm-hmm. attention across, but, again, like, you're not gonna, if you don't have a good idea it doesn't matter how much you market like yeah so yep anyways yeah i don't know we what shall else? uh hopefully they they people who work there get picked up by other studios cuz that will always be good um comicbook.com reporting that PlayStation 5 Denuvo announcement has PlayStation fans divided Denuvo of course is an anti-cheat and DRM platform that is most uh, infamous on the PC uh, as I believe the DRM technology is very, uh, what do I want to say, performance intensive. It can it can really push your PC's uh, hardware to its limits, and it's just the DRM, not the actual game that you're playing that uses the DRM. Mm-hmm. But um, Sony announced that Denuvo gets added is getting added to the PS5. The anti-cheat specifically is something that's been used in several PS5 launch titles. Um, and this is just the anti-cheat. This is not the DRM stuff, uh, but it's kind of created a lot of FUD on the internet. People, people are like, this is why all the games are only going to be 30 frames per second and a bunch of bullshit like that. But honestly, like, I feel like the P- it's weird to me that the PlayStation would even need anti-cheat. Is the weird thing, in my opinion, but um, I also have to imagine that because it is a more locked down platform than a PC, uh, it's probably anti-cheat itself is probably a much more focused piece of software that does not really need to impact performance as much. But uh, yeah, nerds are angry. Yeah, I mean, what do you? How are you cheating on a console? I don't understand. Are you using like yeah. do they make console aimbots that I don't know about? Maybe. That I could have been using lag all this switching. Time. Yeah, some lag switching. Uh, the, this is just this is for Destiny, so that you can't uh, unplug your LAN port to beat Crota anymore. Yeah, that's what they're doing. <laughs> that's the cheat that they're stopping. But uh, yeah, Zach, thank mm-hmm. you for the subscription. We appreciate it very much. Please spam John's face everywhere, all over the place. Um, Next up, a fire in Rust's data offices causes loss of data stored on server. This is a big bummer. Um, back on March 10th, uh, at Play Rust on Twitter, which is their official account, posted an update saying 25 of our EU servers remain offline due to a fire at OVH data center in the early hours of the, of the morning. Unfortunately, the fire destroyed the SBG2 building. We're expecting a large amount of data loss across the affected servers. We'll share more more news when we can. Um, which uh, is a bummer. Rust is another one of those uh, survival games, not like Valheim in a lot of ways, but a survival game like Valheim is, right? And the dedicated servers uh, that Valheim got. Um, yeah, Rust is, uh, I, from what I understand, it's way more PvP-centric. Okay. Valheim's what? not really like you can you can put on like friendly damage or whatever but it's not really about playing against other groups of players at all but either way there's uh like in rust you can build up resources and things like that i believe right and like create camps and things so it's it's really sad that there's some players out there that would have been impacted by this loss of data and uh you know uh sucks for a lot of other people that were probably using that server house. I believe there was also some uh, European 
one of the European comfort countries military operations or something like that was impacted by this as well. But, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully they figure out a way to make good for some of the people that this happened to. And, and hopefully, uh, people are safe, even though there was a big fire, that's more important than the data loss. But, um, I feel like, you know, the, the people who love rust really love rust. And I think they'll probably come up with a way to, uh, make good on that. So, mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Stadia losing or not losing Stadia shuttering a bunch of studios and focusing only on becoming kind of a middleware type situation. Um, and Jade Raymond, the original, uh, one of the original, um, creators of Assassin's Creed at Ubisoft had gone there to start a new studio Well, she's announced after leaving Stadia that she's, uh, making another studio uh, in partnership with Sony, um, studios called Haven, and it's going to work on an original IP of some sort. Uh, and they made this announcement on the PlayStation blog, so it seems like Sony's probably got some skin in the game. Although it could be kind of a Kojima Productions kind of situation where they get them started up. But uh, yeah, Jade Raymond, kind of weird. Like I think she worked on Assassin's Creed and then was like mostly in the background on a lot of stuff, um, which is you know crazy like assassins the assassin's creed franchise is huge so I've, I've always been interested i think she was working on a star wars game at some point with ea uh and then she moved to stadia and now she's here so hopefully she gets to finally make a video game for once right um, instead of just playing musical chairs yeah getting stuck in a bunch of bureaucratic meetings and bullshit and then getting let go basically right um so that would be cool to see but uh hey more Sony exclusives sucks for people who own Xboxes, but does it? Cause like the people who own Se- Xboxes are pretty well set up with Bethesda now. We'll we'll get to that in just a second. I was going to say sucks because PlayStations are impossible to find. <laughs> yeah. At the moment. But you know what? If she's making a, if they're starting a game right now, they got a couple years to hopefully ramp production up, but we'll see if that helps or not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, speaking of what John was just saying, uh, the Bethesda and Microsoft uh, acquisition is uh, is complete. There are a lot more games on Game Pass now from Bethesda. But the biggest news that came out uh, over the last couple weeks about it was something that everybody was wondering after this announcement. Phil Spencer, uh, Eurogamer reports that Phil Spencer says future Bethesda games will be exclusive to, quote, platforms where Game Pass exists. So, um, I think a lot of people are seeing this writing on the wall. Uh, there's obviously, there's some games like Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo that I think were games that ZeniMax uh, people were working on for, uh, PlayStation 5, and those will continue to, those will still be released on PlayStation 5, but it sounds like your Elder Scrolls 6, your Starfield, your fallout fives your doom eternal again uh all of those games (laughs) are going to be pc and xbox exclusive probably well you guys think about that as long as they come to pc i don't really (laughs) want to buy an xbox i mean that's a that's a baller move on microsoft's part yeah i I know they i know they paid a shitload of money for bethesda but that was, I mean, massive flex, like props to Microsoft for finally like growing a set and just being like, fuck it. Like they don't want to play nice. We're done playing nice. Like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that like, um, they literally just monopolized one of the biggest game developers in the world. <laughs> like it's, it's pretty crazy. Like the, the fact that like, there's a whole, you know, when when Skyrim came out, it was big and it was big everywhere. It was big on 360. It was big on PS3. It yeah, was I mean, big people I knew who didn't even play video games were playing Skyrim. Yeah, uh-huh. and so the idea that that will now be locked down to Xbox and PC platforms is uh, it's it's big. Like it's a very big acquisition for them. It's probably one of the more consequential acquisitions that we've seen in a very long time. I mean, um, how many of those games can you play on your cell phone right now? Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of them that are. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like that's the thing is I loaded up fallout four on my phone the other day just to test it out and it works (laughs) and it works. Uh, perfect. 
It's so, just, it's interesting. Like, there were a lot of people that were like, but they wouldn't really take that away, right? They wouldn't do that. Now they gunned on, did it, man. It, they it's did fucking it. done. <laughs> they did They're like, it. but I spent $2,000 on eBay on this PlayStation 5, and I'm not going to be able to play Starfield. No. Yeah, that would be, that would be pretty nuts. But, um, yeah, no, congratulations to Microsoft uh, and to Bethesda for their yes. new newfound uh situation that they're in it's been a good week for game pass uh, subscribers that's for sure yes uh because another piece that we didn't have in here but um ea uh origin is now play is what it's play is now also included on pc game pass it has been on console game pass for a little while but now it's also on ultimate uh, game Pass for for PC people as well, and, and regular Xbox Game Pass for PC, from what I understand. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, but yeah, the Game Pass value continues to uh, to grow, which is great. It is the and, best uh, deal in gaming. Period. Like, yeah, you you cannot top this now, and it's gonna just get better. It's really interesting because I feel like for people like us, like all of those, all those Bethesda games got added, but I was like, I own most of these already. But do you um, own them in a manner in which you can play them like easily or do you got to hook up a bunch of shit? I got them all on PC, you know, like New Vegas and Fallout 4, like all that type of stuff. I've got them. I've got them in places where I can just download them and play them, which I think is interesting, but like. You know, I think this certainly makes the proposition more attractive for people other than us that don't have Game Pass. But at the same time, I think there's a there's a pretty big sect of people that are just kind of like, well, that's great. And from now on, like, I don't have to buy another Bethesda game because I'm probably going to own Game Pass. But, you know, I, I saw a lot of people getting excited about it, and that's great. But um, at the same time, for me, I was just kind of like, I don't really want to play any of these games. <laughs> uh, you guys so. should play Prey. Because it's awesome and I already overlooked. Play. I've played oh, really? it on Steam. Yeah, and it okay. is very good. I agree. I think it's a great game. But um, you know, it's it's just it's interesting. And at the same time, even with like Bethesda, like I, I'm fearing the moment where they show off Elder Scrolls Six gameplay and they're like, "Check this out! You can build your house. Look at these resources you can bring together to." build a wall and uh here's also you can make this forge out of stones in your house and i'm like (laughs) that's not what i want out of this game at all i wanted the rpg that you made in skyrim i don't like it's cool that i can put like a weapon mount on the wall in the house that i bought in fucking white run cool story bro (laughs) that's not the video game you know like Fallout 4, that's great, you know? Let's make it so that the conversations are mostly meaningless, but you can build a bunch of yeah, fucking I mean, floors, floors that don't even line up properly to make the house that we want you to I'm make. I'm not that's looking cool. for any base management or any, like, resource management nonsense. Like, I want, I just want another, I want Skyrim 2 is what I want. They've leaned so hard into that tech with Fallout 4 and then also Fallout 76 that part of me is like, there's no way that that's not going to be a thing in Starfield. Like, are you going to like build your spaceship or some shit? Are you going to find a planet and build a house on? Guess what? You can build a house on this planet. Also, there's no quests. Like, what is it going to be? I mean, I don't don't even know know what to expect from Starfield. I feel like we don't don't know anything about that game. I expect (laughs) a, a large field of stars for sure. That's cool. Is it going to be, is it, I mean, maybe it's just No Man's Sky again, right? Like it's just launched No Man's Sky. With better graphics. So it's like better (laughs) graphics, but it also works a lot worse. Yeah. Oh yeah. Super buggy. Yeah. Yeah, I've never, I've never had No Man's Sky crash now that you mention it. (laughs) This game is going to crash like every five minutes. (laughs) It's just, I, I don't know. Like, I it, this is a good acquisition for them. It's going to mean a lot for people that are like, you know, as soon as Elder Scrolls 6 gets announced, it's going to be big for them. Probably even Fallout 5 as well. But, like, for me, it's like they've started drifting away from the games that I liked that they made. Mm-hmm. You know? And not to say that, like, Doom 2016 was great. And it sounds like Doom Eternal was good, too. Not as good as Doom 2016. Um, you know, it's a big stable of a lot of different IPs, 
Um, and also like the idea that now Obsidian could make another Fallout game again because they're both under Microsoft. All that type of shit is really cool, but I'm just curious to see what they're going to do with it. Like, I would be more excited for Obsidian's Fallout 5 than I would be for Bethesda's Fallout 5. Absolutely. I think everybody would mm-hmm. be. Right? And so, like, I want to know if they're going to do that or if it's just going to be like, hey, uh, you know, like I said, Starfield, No Man's Sky. Cool. It's a little edgier this time. Not so cartoony. But, you know, I don't know. Zach is saying, are you more excited for Elder Scrolls 6 or Avowed? I've, I I remember the name Avowed, but I can't remember it's, who's it's, associated uh, with it. It's Obsidian's or... like, new Skyrim that okay. they're doing. I'm more excited for Avowed then. I can tell you that right now. I totally agree. Like, also, the Elder Scrolls 6 isn't going to come out until 2035. So, like, I don't, need, <laughs> I don't, I'm not too worried about it, but, like, yeah. I mean, the, the Outer Worlds, is that what it was called? There's, yes. Um, that game, like, I definitely had my issues with it, and I, I must say, I haven't finished it. I got pretty far, but uh, based on the quality of that, and considering it's like a smaller scale game, I, I'm definitely excited for Avowed because, yeah, like the dialogue and the characters and stuff in the Outer Worlds is great compared to Fallout Four, for example. Yeah. Yeah, and. I mean, here's the thing is that, like, I fell off of the Outer Worlds quite a bit. So I maybe I'm just also in a different position in my life where I can't spend a week straight playing Fallout 3 upstairs and only eating Cocoa Puffs once a day. Um, Man, that sounds like the life. I don't know what your problem is. It was great, but I I don't I can't do that anymore as an adult. <laughs> he's he's um, no longer 17. <laughs> yeah, Fallout 3 definitely came out at the perfect time for me, too, because I was living alone and i was like too broke to really go out anywhere and stuff so but i (laughs) had good internet and i downloaded it and played it that's pretty much all i did for like a month or two you ventured the capital wasteland instead no i was it was basically just that and i also listened to like old episodes of dave and chuck the freak that were like several weeks old by that point because that's how far back i was going (laughs) but like no, I don't know. Like that, maybe that's it. Maybe that's why like Fallout Four didn't hit as hard for me. But I, I do think there's some big differences between those. So, I don't know. Maybe I need to go back and try Outer Worlds again at some point as well, mm-hmm. since it's on Game Pass. I can do that. Yeah, I've reinstalled it twice and uninstalled it immediately afterwards. <laughs> I can't get back <laughs> into it. At least not where I'm at. Like I could see myself starting that game over and having fun. Because there's you, a lot of crazy you different you approaches give, you, you can give take. us a bunch of shit for doing that, and now you're saying you're going to start over and do it? Like, it, Well, it's a smaller game, though. It's it's did, different. Didn't you finish it, though? Like, didn't you get to the end, or no? No. Okay. Because I know there's also a DLC didn't. pack as well. Yeah, I got nowhere near the end. I was maybe only like two or three hours in, but... Oh, I got way further than that. I was like yeah. probably 20 or 30 hours in. I thought you were like... At the end, or very close to it, I guess, but either way. Yeah, close, but not close enough. Like, I think I was on, I maybe had one other planet to go to after the one I was on. Okay. But, yeah. No, it'll be interesting. But no, I mean, here's the thing. I think Game Pass, I guess here's the other thing. We're going to improvise some more news here, because Sony just uh, uh, play at home. Like, I think Game Pass is starting to put a lot of pressure on Sony, so much so that, like, Sony started this play-at-home thing last year where they were trying to give away free games to give people the incentive to stay home, uh, which I think is a, a good idea. Um, but starting March 25th, they have a new round of play-at-home games that include games such as Res Infinite, Abzu, The Witness, Enter the Gungeon, Subnautica, Moss, Astrobot, Rescue Mission, Paper Beast, and Thumper. Um, those last four are PlayStation VR games. Uh, Res Infinite is also a PlayStation VR game, so that's very cool. But then on top of that, starting in April, they're going to give away Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition. Um, so I feel like Sony's, like, kind of playing with the idea of, like, maybe we need to expand PlayStation now and kind of get it closer to what Game Pass should be, but I, you know, they're not quite there yet. Um... I wonder what metrics they have on people who own PS5s who have gone back and like played through a bunch of the like PlayStation collection games. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And they're I'm, just seeing they like, oh, people are still stuff. playing these old games. Like we should just like figure out a way to game pass them or whatever, you know? Yeah, expand the PlayStation collection or whatever. Right. Or yeah, or get like obviously they got to get to the point because like if if Xbox had Game Pass and Live Gold, <laughs> and that means Sony's got PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now. And they just have to kind of like do that weird maneuver shuffle that Xbox did in order to kind of get everybody there. I don't think there's ever going to be a world where it's like you can get three years of the PlayStation Now Ultimate bundle or whatever by hitting this button after E3 that one year or whatever they did for the for Game Pass Ultimate. But like you got to think that Sony's... Sony's getting to the point where they need to have some sort of answer to Game Pass, and they don't quite have it yet. Right. Either that, or, like, Sony's about to go out and buy somebody else that's going to be also somewhat mind-blowing, but I don't know that it gets as mind-blowing as Bethesda. Like, that's huge. So... Still just makes me... Like, I still wonder, like, at what point does Game Pass end up on Switch? Like, even if it's just the streaming version, it's not, like... You can download the game and play it, but you can play, like, you know, Xbox Game Pass, whatever they, what do they call it? Uh, whatever the streaming version is. Yeah, the X Project X Cloud yeah, stuff or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. No, I think that would be interesting, you know? And that's the thing, with the way that Microsoft is playing this game, it's kind of almost like, hey, if we were able to sell Game Pass to Sony people, that would be great, wouldn't it? But Sony's never going to allow that kind of thing. Right. I think well, what if they got a cut? Maybe. Maybe, but I think Nintendo's more likely because kind of like you said, like the thing that we were theorizing all along is that like the Switch isn't necessarily powerful enough to get the latest and greatest versions of some of these games on the console, right? But it can stream so, them. Yeah, so the idea that it would be able to stream them and you'd be able to play those games instead of like with a touch interface or like pairing a controller to your tablet or whatever, you're just literally playing them on the Nintendo Switch, I think. Um, I think it's a really compelling idea, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get there or when we're going to see that type of thing. You know, when things like Cuphead and, uh, Ori, the Ori games are coming out on switch, it seems like it's more possible than ever before, but Mm -hmm. who knows? Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I'm curious, like, who do you think Sony could buy that would be as impactful as a Bethesda purchase? Is it like Sony buys Activision and then Call of Duty is an exclusive on PlayStation consoles? Like, we wouldn't care about that at all, but I think there's a lot of people that would, right? Oh, yeah. Um. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if that's possible. I can't parse the financials of the situations enough to know whether or not that type of thing could happen. But I don't think Sony has that kind of money floating around. Yeah. But yeah, they'd have to yeah. buy like Activision or like Rockstar or something like that. Like something of that caliber that has a franchise that just keeps <laughs> printing money. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like Rockstar is too big too now. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I don't think they could buy them. Grand Theft Auto Online prints way too much money for that at this point. Yep. Um, but yeah, no. Interesting times that we live in for video games. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Kind of a short one today. I don't know if we have anything else to talk about here. If I would have played more than five minutes of that $3 game, like, maybe we had more <laughs> stuff to fill in. No, but that happens. Um, we'll see. But yeah, maybe next time we'll have some, uh, let's see, Zach says Ubisoft, EA, or Activision would probably be the big three. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't, I don't see them doing that, but then again, I didn't really see Microsoft buying Bethesda either, right? Yeah, so. I just I just don't think I don't think Sony has that kind of money. They don't have Microsoft money. They have a lot of money. They don't have Microsoft yeah. money. Yeah. Man, I'd be really pissed if they bought Ubisoft because I don't want to play the next Rainbow Six game only on a PlayStation 5. <laughs> well, they're also getting to a point where it seems like they could be letting people put games out on PC and PlayStation, but you're right. It's kind of like why would they let that happen? Yeah. Same 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 question with Microsoft and Bethesda, so I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. Um so yeah, maybe Magic Legends next time, since it's coming out Tuesday open beta. That and then yeah. uh 
Oh, wait, no. What's next? Next week is... I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. No, we, think, in the next one, we could also do... Next episode's Easter Sunday, right? So we could talk about Outriders if we end up getting Outriders final. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Outriders is out on the first, which is a week from Thursday. So, um, uh, no, cool. yeah, I'll be honest. I probably won't have time to play that, but I will try. That's Magic fine. Legends is pretty likely. Okay. You do what you got to do. We'll figure it out. But, yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. If you want to follow us on social media or see all the places you can listen to or watch the show, check out MidwestGamers.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network now has a Patreon. The Patreon is meant to benefit all the shows on the network. You can subscribe as little as $1 a month and help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks again to Jason K., Tom Z., Chris K., and Alan K. for the contributions. One of the perks of joining the Patreon is you get early access to our bonus episodes that we call Side Quests. You also get early access to the horror movie yearbook bonus episodes called Tiny Terrors. And, uh, yeah, if for as little as a dollar, you get bonus content. How cool is that? If you don't feel like paying for it, we totally get it. You can get those bonus episodes on our off weeks. Um, but we also appreciate your feedback, which you can send to MidwestGamers at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitch as well as rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. We are Twitch affiliates. If you don't want to spend money on, uh, you know, Patreon and you already have like Twitch, you can spend it there or you can use your free Twitch prime subscription on us because Amazon was kind enough to give you a free single Twitch prime subscription that you can give away to any streamer once a month. It resets. So you got to redo it every month, which is kind of a pain in the ass, but it does it. So something to consider. Other than that, next time sounds like we'll be doing Magic the Gathering Legends and then possibly Outriders. And beyond that, we're not quite sure, but we'll see. If you have any suggestions, hit us up. Social media, email, or in our Discord if you're listening. Check us out. Yes. That's all. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Welcome to the Midwest Podcast. Bah. Welcome to the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, John.